Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome in. Doug Gottlieb here. Welcome into All Ball, my all-basketball podcast. By the way, uh, if you didn't have us in your queue and you didn't know last week's with uh, Adam Morrison, um, we cranked up and had like, 6,000 new downloads. The numbers are crazy for the downloads last week. But feel free to look back, and it was a great conversation. This week's guest is none other than Dan Patrick. To those of you know who know uh, DP, of course, Dan Patrick's show. He's done just about everything in the business, but he was a college basketball player at Eastern Kentucky, and then I think at Dayton. We'll catch up with him in a moment. Uh, he was a high school basketball star in a small town in southeastern Ohio, not far outside of Cincinnati. Dad taught at UD at Dayton before he transferred to UD. We'll get to all that. Um, Danny's a good friend, and we're going to talk all things hoop with Dan Patrick. I, I just want to say this about um, Team USA. And while I understand we're going to be better when we have better players, you have Steph Curry, who has already said he wants to play in the Olympics, which means he's going to play in the Olympics. You look around the NBA, you're like, we're going to be better with better players. But we should have had better players than the teams that played, and we still, you know, weren't really competitive for a medal. 
Serbia beat us. Um, you know, they split, obviously, in the lead-up games in Australia. And some of it, you know, you'd have to point out as players, some of it is kind of assimilating a coaching style to a very different sport. But some of it is what Kobe said, which is the world has improved. And I thought it was a smart point that Kobe made where he said, hey, we had to have some things go our way to escape Spain with the Redeem team. Why are people surprised that these foreign teams are so good? The, the, the world is catching us. And the style of officiating, the style of play does benefit them more than our supreme athleticism. And it's not a style we play all year long. So I'm in agreement. I think we're in for dogfights. Uh, we used to be to the point where after maybe the Redeem team, we could have gone back to the college kids and been willing to lose games and say, hey, we're going to do the real amateur thing. But since we're not doing that and we're going to be USA basketball, I, I think we'll be fine in the Olympics. But I think for years to come, it's going to get increasingly difficult as countries become more and more invested in their basketball programs. So do I think we're not the superpower we used to be? No, I think we have the greatest depth of talent uh, this world over. But I also will tell you that even once we get our top line talent to play in the Olympics, it still is not going to be easy. And it would not would not be crazy if we lost a medal game. Wouldn't be crazy at all. Because the three point shot is the Oklahoma equalizer, because the style of basketball is so different and because, you know, I'm not sure that the way in which we play youth and collegiate basketball, maybe even NBA basketball is conducive to playing team basketball in the physical style which you see in FIBA. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, let's get to our next guest, who is uh, the incomparable Dan Patrick, known for the big show, Sports Center, Of course, the Dan Patrick Show, uh, which he hosts now, and he broke off, and for 13 years he's hosted. It's now on the Audience Network. He's done Super Bowls, he's done NBA drafts, he's done just about everything. Let's welcome in the one and only Dan Patrick. Dan, let's let's begin. You grew up in where Mason, Ohio. Paint the picture of Mason, Ohio. You growing up with a gaggle of brothers and sisters. Probably like Mayberry a little bit. It was pretty insulated, pretty isolated. You keep doors unlocked. Uh, my parents didn't worry where I was, and I spent most of the time at the uh, middle school outside, morning, noon, and night, shooting hoops, uh, played baseball. My brothers played football and a family of six. It was pretty idyllic. I mean, when you look back on it, um, you know, we had a lot of freedom, and, uh, you know, I had, I had nothing but great memories. Okay, so why? What, what about what drew you to basketball? When did you first start playing? What was it that made hoop your thing? I remember reading my name in the paper in fifth grade, amongst the top scores in the fifth grade league, and I was addicted to it. I just I'd stare at the box score, and it was just in a small you know the local paper. But I remember I got to sixth grade, and I was like. I want to put up some numbers here. And then I started playing junior high ball, and it was the same thing. And uh, I don't know, just something about it. Like, I became obsessed. And it wasn't that I was a gunner. It was just I couldn't score enough. I could never, ever, like, as soon as you score, I just had this 
crazy mentality of, I got to get the ball back and score. Got to get the ball back. Now, it, it, like I said, I wasn't a gunner because I think I was second or led the, led my league in assists, but I also led it in scoring. I was just, I, I, I was fascinated with stats, fascinated with numbers, and that ability to score. I love the sound of the net. Yeah. Nothing better than if you put the net up on the rim and they had to stop play yeah. and get the broom out. I, so it was just small things that attracted me to it. But that first time I saw my name in the paper with, you know, 12 points, and I was like, God, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, that's called hanging the net, right? And I don't know if you know this. I, I remember me reading Steve Alford's book when I was a kid. And Steve Alford would end every workout by hanging the net. Like that was that was his thing. And I, I believe I believe he asked his wife to marry him because he, he and the way he did it was he hung the net and then, you know, he had the ladder to go up and have her go up and fix it and then yeah. like the ring was up there. I think that's I think yeah. that's actually Okay, so southeastern Ohio, were you a, a Kentucky fan? Like what was your fandom growing up? Like who was the who was the hoop guy you looked up to? College, pro, what was it? I was fortunate that we had the Cincinnati Royals in town and nobody went to see them. We would sneak into those games and I got to see at the tail end of Oscar Robertson's career as a Royal. And then Nate Archibald came in and I fell in love with a five foot 10 left-hander who went left every single time. And he was just, he was fascinating to see him. And I got to see every great team come in. From you know that that Laker team that won 33 in a row, I saw the Knicks, you know the championship Knicks. I saw Earl Monroe. I saw Maravich come in. So I was, I just, I was very very lucky to be able to have that. We also had the Big Red Machine at the time, and then I followed the University of Dayton basketball and the University of Cincinnati basketball. Uh, I was a fan of Bo Lamar in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, I loved the guy who led the nation in scoring. There was just something about I, I followed them. Bird Averett, uh, Larry Fogle, who was at Southwest Louisiana with Bo Lamar and went to Canisius. Uh, so I, it, once again, it came down to numbers. I would get the stats after every Cincinnati Royals game from the play-by-play guy, Dom Valentino, and I just study him. I just study everything about you know how many shots, how many assists, blocks, steals, everything, and. Uh, I was very fortunate. Cincinnati Bearcats, Gail Catlett was the head coach. Yeah. Uh, Miami of Ohio, a guy that I went to basketball camp with, Randy Ayers, played at uh, Miami. Uh, you know, so I, Daryl Hedrick was the head coach. So I, I had basketball surrounding me. Uh, some of it was really good, and the Royals weren't good, but they were entertaining. Okay, so uh, you end up having what what looks like, you know, again, and this is more – from going in and reading your background, having a stellar high school career, how, how good were you? How good was your team? Team started out real good, and we lost in the first round of the uh, tournament. And I was, I was devastated because I, you know, we, we were really good and should have been great. And then I didn't know what I was going to do because I should have gone to a smaller school I was third-team All-State, uh, honorable mention All-American, and I, I just kept waiting, like, is in, like where, where are these phone calls? So I would get letters 
Digger Phelps sent two letters to me, one to say he was interested in me, another one to say he wasn't interested in me. And, you know, I, I, I appreciated that. BYU was another place, Air Force Academy. But I, I kept thinking, I'm going to – somebody's, somebody's got to want me. Now, we didn't have the three-point shot. Right. And I think had we had that, then, you know, it would have been a lot easier for me. And I remember playing against a guy in my league – who went to Eastern Kentucky, and he was playing basketball. And I, I said, well, I'm better than Jeff Howard. And uh, for some reason, and I still don't know, my parents never said anything about where I should go. Um, you know, my, my dad didn't want me to go to Air Force because my dad was a Marine, and uh, he said, you're not a fly boy. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I walked on at Eastern Kentucky, and I to this day, I still can't tell you why I did it and why somebody didn't stop me. But I got to play. I played junior varsity both years, and I had a ball because I just got to shoot as much as I wanted to. And I had a coach who knew I should have gone some other place or been able to play for the varsity, but the coach didn't like me. Coach called me Golden Boy. Never called me by my name. Who was the coach? And Who's the coach? Bob, Mul- Bob Mulkey. And he just, he, he would yell at me, you know, during scrimmages. And I, he, by golly, golden boy, get out. And then he would send me over, you know, like I just, and, and I said, I couldn't wait for junior varsity games. Like we played at Freedom Hall. We played at Marshall. We, we played at a lot of fun places. And I remember I put up 25 shots one time. And I, I was like, this is awesome. And I got to shoot whenever I wanted to, as much as I wanted to. And I knew that it didn't matter how good I was. I wasn't going to get called up to the varsity. And it, it took me a little while. As soon as the season ended, I called my dad, who was a computer programmer at the University of Dayton. I said, I think I'm going to transfer. And he said, you know, Coach Donaher, the legendary Coach Don Donaher, doesn't take transfers. I said, I, I don't care. I, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. My brother at the time was on the radio at uh, Dayton, WVUD, wonderful campus radio station. So my dad worked there. Two older brothers went there. And I just went to Dayton and I torched people in intramurals. I was an angry, angry guy. I wanted to put up 50 because I wanted Coach Donaher to notice that I was on campus. And I'd go against the backcourt. They had Jack Zimmerman and Doug Harris, wonderful players. And I'd play against them. And I, you know, John Paxson played against him in summer league. Like, I wanted to embarrass these guys. And, and it, you know, for no other reason than I didn't get to play, and they did. And I remember that Jim Paxson, uh, he dunked on me one time. And we joke about it. He also stole my girlfriend. Like, I think that he wait, didn't wait, wait, like wait, that wait, I wanted. Wait, 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 wait. Jim Paxson stole your girlfriend? Yeah. How, how'd this happen? Well, my girlfriend was a cheerleader and was in love with Jim Paxson and, you know, would tell me that, openly told me that. And then I don't know if he stole her, he borrowed her, and, you know, they <laughs> saw each other and dated. I don't know what happened. But wait, so, wait, like, I you were actually that, dating her, and then she said... You found out she was cheating on you, or she dumped you and started dating him? Like, how did it go? This story I need to know. She might have dumped me, but, 
you know, in my mind, you know, like it took two years to realize I wasn't going to play at Eastern Kentucky. It takes me a little, I'm slow, Doug. It takes me a little time. And and I thought, you know what, you know, as long as it makes Pax a better player, you know, that I'm fine with that. You know, I'm okay. There's a lot, there's other cheerleaders out there. I mean, there weren't for me, but there were other cheerleaders, but, uh, and it took my, my father passed away. And the, my sister was a cheerleader on the basketball team, and the entire team came to my dad's funeral. And Don Donaher pulled me aside later, you know, after everybody was having beers, and he said, you know, I made a mistake. I, I, I should have let you play. And it, and it really meant a lot. You know, granted, it was at my dad's funeral, but I thought it was kind of poignant that my dad would have liked to have heard that. And, uh, you know, I knew I could hold my own. But, you know, I was such an asshole. I got, you know, I was really, really angry. I mean, so much so we had a grad league and I played against a guy who was who had been on the team, Tim Pullman, six, eight guy played, you know, for the state championship. You know, wonderful guy, wonderful guy. And he's playing against us for the championship. And I said, I'm going to I'm going to put up 40 on Pullman. And for no other reason than. Damn it! Somebody is going to notice this, right. and I felt bad. I'm dribbling up the floor, Doug, and I, I yell over to the guys in the. I said, "How many I got?" And I go, "36." And I go, "All right." I stuck 40 on Pullman. Years later, years. This is probably 10 years uh, ago. I'm in Charlotte radio convention. I see this guy staring at me. Tall guy, bald. And I go, I don't know what the, I don't know what the story is with this guy. And it's Tim Pullman. He walks over and, and he goes, Hey, you put up 40 on me. And I go, Oh my God, Tim, I'm so sorry. I was such a jerk to you. And he goes, no, nah, I, I get it. I don't blame you. I'm thinking, God, I don't know how I didn't get my ass kicked back then. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for, or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So um, it's interesting. Like you carry, like my, my, there's a lot of similarities there, honestly, with my dad. My dad was a New Yorker, grew up in the Bronx, um, moved out to Long Island, right, and walked on at Syracuse, was on the freshman team. And, you know, again, this is his story was he, he took a charge in a varsity player and the coach kicked him off the team. Um, and so he then transferred to Ohio State where he was a walk-on and a JV player with Havlicek and um, Jerry Lucas and Bob Knight and, and Larry and, Siegfried, right, right, and that and and that crew. And what's interesting about it is he would tell me stories like he was he was in a Las Vegas. He coached at Death Valley High School. He would play. He played in a league in Las Vegas, like an adult league, and led it in scoring. And he was like, I don't know if I was a late bloomer or if I was just angry because I didn't play in college, whatever. But I just I tried to take it out on everybody that I played against. Whereas. The, the opposite is kind of true with me where it's not that I don't have a competitive gene, but it's, it's almost as if like I, I struggle to, I struggle to find a reason to kick somebody's ass sometimes, you know, even when I could and other guys come at you a, a lot, a lot harder. Um, uh, okay. So, so let's, so you get done, you get done going to Dayton. You don't get to play your dad. Your dad died when you were 25, I'm going to say. Right. So how, what, what, so obviously you didn't have hopes of playing. Did you want to coach? Did you run around, uh, be around ball? Why did you get into radio? I I never had a plan B. Um, I I played baseball, uh, played in uh, semi pro baseball league in Cincinnati, which was really competitive, uh, pitching and shortstop, and I actually tore my labrum, and it took me. Uh, I just had it. I finally had surgery three years ago on it. Uh, I had blown out my knee when I when I was uh, 14. I needed to have knee surgery, but my dad said, "Can you tough it out?" Because back then they would have opened me up and I would have been out for a year. Right. I didn't have. I needed knee surgery my entire basketball career and waited till I was 24. And you know, since then I've had five knee surgeries. And I finally had it replaced. So I I was sort of playing on borrowed time anyway with it, but I. I, I just thought I was spinning records. I was a DJ, but I, I only knew 
sports. I was going to get into sports somehow, some way. Wasn't a good student, but I was attracted to numbers. I would read books. I would read starting lineups. I would, I would memorize it. And for, I never knew if it would come in handy. I'd go to parties, and you had to stump me with a trivia question to leave the party. And I took great pride in, you know, keeping guys from going home with their girlfriends because if, you, if I got the question right, you went to the back of the line. And uh, I, I just, that was what I knew. And I, I had no idea. I was so naive, didn't know how to get into the business. And, you know, thank God my brother was on the radio because I learned how to be a disc jockey, queuing up, you know, the albums at the time. And then I got hired to do weekends at the rock and roll station in Dayton. And then I was still mowing greens at Jack Nicholas golf course during the week. So my weekend job was spinning records and, uh, you know, there was an opening in the morning and I ended up being the news guy in the morning. And then after that rented out some TV equipment, I filmed an audition tape, sent it to Bob Lee at ESPN and Greg Gumbel. And I said, here's five minutes of me ad living. Tell me what you think. Um, and Bob Lee sent me a full page letter back and, and critiqued my work and said, you know what, you get, you need to, you know, find a job, but you, you have what it takes. And, you know, maybe he believed it or not. Fast forward to seven, six or seven years later, I'm sitting next to Bob Lee on sports center after getting a job. I lost a job at channel two in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and everybody knew that, you know, I should get the job, but I wasn't good looking enough. The guy who got it was better looking than me. And it was, it blew my mind. I'm like, wait, the better looking guy got the job over the guy who knows sports. And then I said, I'm not, I'm not cut out for local sports. And then I went down to Atlanta. I had a, a, a old girlfriend down there, went to see her, brought in a tape the last day I was there to CNN and got hired that day. I'm like, I don't, this business is so crazy. I, I didn't get a job in Dayton, Ohio, but I now have a job at CNN. Six months later, I took over for Keith Oberman in New York as the New York reporter, met my then you know, you know, girlfriend who's now my wife, and went back to Atlanta, anchored for a little while, and then went to ESPN where I spent 18 years, and then I left 13 years ago to, to start you know, my own uh, show. So crazy, crazy. You know, I always tell people, you know, there's so much luck in this, yep. but you better be good when they're ready to call on you. And uh, that was the case for me. Okay, let's. who is the guy in Dayton who got the job because he's better looking than you? Ken Kettering. I'm Googling. And, and, and we laugh about it. Uh, but, you know, it, it, he laughed. He, he was, he's now a limo driver and he's got six kids and you know, I came to the realization Ken's a better-looking guy, but he even said you should have gotten the job. Thank God I didn't. Uh, I mean, not thank God that I'm not good-looking uh, enough to get the job, but thank God that I didn't get the job because, you know, it humbled me, and I uh, I went to Atlanta and got that job. Okay. And I was doing headline sports. I wasn't even on camera. So you can imagine the inferiority complex. I'm not good enough to get the job in Dayton because I'm not good-looking enough, and I go to CNN – I'm still not on camera. So I'm like, maybe I got a face for radio. So you get to Atlanta. Now you work for CNN. What was the first big uh, basketball event you covered? 
first big basketball? Uh, Final Four. Do you, remember, do, you remember, four. do you remember what year it was? Might have been Denver when Brent Musburger got fired. Maybe. Okay, so that's uh, Denver was ninety, right? That was, um, and this is this is the fun part for basketball guys: Georgia Tech, oh. Arkansas, Kenny Anderson. Yeah, yep. Georgia Tech and Kenny a lethal weapon three, right? Um, Arkansas, UNLV, Duke. and Duke, right? And and that's Bobby Hurley was sick, and they got beat by thirty-one points, or whatever. Well, actually, you know what it was? Danny Manning. I was there for that one. That was eighty-eight. Danny Manning was the first one. Okay, so that was Kansas City. Um, yeah, and that was Arizona, Kansas, yep. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Wait, wait, who's the who's the fourth team? Hold on, let's let's think of it. This is on the fly. Nineteen eighty-eight Final Four was Kansas, Arizona, Oklahoma. Oof. Uh, man, you got any idea? Or do you want me to look it up? Uh, you have to look it up because whoever can't. That first half of the Oklahoma-Arizona game was as good as any first half I've ever seen in my life. Duke. Duke was the other one. That was another Duke one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, you know, then I, I got to be around these coaches. Uh, I, I remember Coach K wrote a letter to me saying that a question I had for Lute Olson wasn't fair. And, and I kept this letter. <laughs> And he was probably right, but, you know, I just don't have any pace. I, I want to know an answer, and I don't want coach speak. So even back then, I could see through the bullshit where I'm going, nah, 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 you need an answer. And I remember Coach K wrote me a letter at CNN saying that, uh, you know, it was not a fair question. And, uh, you know, what was, do you, you remember what the question was? No, I don't remember. I just know that, uh, you know, he kind of labeled me unprofessional, which I did. I did tell Coach K about that. He said, well, you probably were. And I said, yeah, yeah maybe so. <laughs> My Coach K story goes something like this. The guy who hired me at ESPN's name is Dan Steer. I know you know Dan. Um, yeah. And uh, we were doing halftime of the ACC champ- semifinals. And um, uh, at the time, Chris Collins was his lead assistant. And Chris Collins did the halftime interview. Because you remember uh, Coach K, for a long time there, didn't do... Um, halftime interviews and it was just two questions and they come to us in studio and i'm with tom brennan and scott reese and we're in that uh, little studio oh, a studio d where it's in, in the new newsroom and they come to us and i said like why can't coach k in- do the interview and and you would have thought i farted on set right i mean they're like the look on those other two faces like man i cannot believe you just said and they're like why, why would you why would you say that i say, well like look when Coach, Coach K is the coach of Team USA, he's synonymous with college basketball. When, he gets, when you get in the locker room, nobody listens to the assistant coach. They're up there rambling. You listen to the head coach. So why are we asking questions to the assistant coach? Why, I'm like, it's two questions. We're not asking that much. And Scott Reese is like, we'll find out what else is uh, pissing Doug Gottlieb off coming up next, right? So I, I literally, we get done with that segment, and the phone rings behind me, and it's Dan Steer what the fuck are you doing? We have a relationship with Duke. We have an agreement that he doesn't want to do the interview. We don't ask about it. I was like, okay, but I mean, don't you think if you're at home, nobody gives a shit. Anyway, that was my, and coach and coach K actually, I talked to him that summer. He's like, I, I, I don't, I, I, I told him I don't want to do it. I just, I don't want to do it. It's nothing personal. I don't you know want what? to do it. The first time 
I covered all of those Big East games. So I, you know, I take that back. The first, I, I had, you know, Massimino and Villanova cover their victory parade. Syracuse did features on Chris Mullen and Mark Jackson and Louis Carnesecca. On Tom Dung. Um, Villanova, uh, Providence, like the whole uh, Bayheim at Syracuse. So those Big East, I didn't realize at the time that basketball would never be the same. Yeah. But I would go over there for the Big East tournament. We did features all the time. So that's probably the real introduction to big-time college basketball. And then graduating to cover some Final Fours and uh after that, so it, it was kind of it, a, kind of a magical time if you think about it. And I'll, oh my god! I mean, if you think about it, so so my again, I'm experiencing the same thing only from California. And we had, you know, with Leron Ellis and Mike Hopkins, Scott McCorkle. We had California kids playing. You know, I mean, look, UConn had a California point guard, um, and they had several California players, whatever. Uh, and and Syracuse, obviously, I just named a couple of them. I, there was. It, it it was such a it was the the beginning really of of cable television and college basketball was where ESPN kind of stuck their flag into the ground because it was volume programming it could be on in the it was the only thing decent on in the afternoon you get home and you're in California you turn on and then everybody in the East Coast watch because again kind of same thing but only thing on at night during the week and then you had all these incredible players you had only eight teams these small schools in, that you normally would not pay any attention to like that was kind of a magical time with the for the big east and big monday in the 1980s well you had everybody staying you know yeah. mullen was staying ewing they're all staying four years and and so you had star power uh and and the coaches were stars it was a big deal and to go to the big east back then and to be, you know, these, these people, it, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, I, I probably took it for granted, uh, but I, I don't take it for granted looking back on those memories. Okay. So now you, uh, th- then there's the NBA as well. And you're again in that, this is becoming the, the Jordan era, right? When you start covering the NBA finals, uh, that was the, like yeah. the tail at the tail end of magic. Um, and you have the bad boy Pistons. Um, what was it like to cover Jordan kind of before he, cause I think now we look back in a way in Jordan and we think of the six championships. I do think people forget that there was a long time there where Jordan was, yeah, he's the best player, but he hadn't won anything yet. Well, I got to cover the NBA finals. I was there for birds championships. I was there when magic hit the hook hook shot. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got to see, go to the garden and, and do a lot of things, uh, you know, even the Knicks back then, but more so with the Celtics. And then when Jordan came in and I'm doing sports center, I'll never forget. Mark Jones is the first one who was doing the interviews post game NBA finals when the Bulls played the Portland Trailblazers. And I remember sitting there throwing out to him. And as I'm throwing it out to Mark Jones standing by with Michael Jordan, and I said to myself, I will be doing the interviews next year. And I just became obsessed with it because I just said, I, for some reason, I, I, I knew it was, there was something that was happening that we would never see again. And I don't know why I thought this. We were seeing a transcendent player. As much as I love Larry and Magic, they weren't Mike. And 
I he was there was still a, a Greta Garbo feel to him. Like we didn't really know him. We watched him, and we wanted to be like Mike, but we didn't know it. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to attack him with questions the way he attacks people on the floor. And he allowed me to. He'd always say, before every NBA final that I cover, he would say, I'll talk to you after we win. Not if, but after we win. When we win. And he, he would come in sometimes when they would win, like game two or something. But he would always, always, always come in after they won a championship. And I, I just remember it was fun volleying with him. And I, that's what I, I wasn't trying to ace him. I was trying to volley with him. All I wanted to do was back and forth, have some fun, bring out that personality, make him smile, let people see, you know, he's the killer on the floor. But, you know, he became, my goal was to humanize Mike in those interviews. And it was a short period of time. You know, you got maybe, you know, four minutes, five minutes. What can you get out of him? I, I, he was willing to play. And I always appreciated that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named Best Hybrid Mattress 5 Years Running. 
sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Um, your interview style, it's, it's interesting because I tell people this all the time that when I put together a radio show and I started doing it, at uh, I was I'd been I really my first solo shows at ESPN were early on two thousand three two thousand four got my own gig kind of two thousand six ish two thousand seven I said like look I like the way uh, certain people do certain things you're the best interviewer in the business but you, but I I I I feel like um, the two things you do really really well is. Yes, you'll ask kind of questions that'll tweak some guys, but you ask them in a way in which you actually want to know the answer. There are other people, I won't say who they are, but they, they're, they're basically setting up a story that they've already heard. Whereas you're asking a question that you want the answer to. And then the second part that you do probably the best job of is actually listening and then either forming a different question or coming back at somebody because of the way in which they answer. Let's, let's start with the first part. Where does that come from? The ability to ask a question and I, I feel like that's your style to ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Well, even if I know the answer to it, a common mistake we make is you will ask a question while answering a question, then ask the question. And then you can basically get a yes or no answer. I, I want you always to tell the story because the audience may not know it. I may know it, but I want you to tell it. Instead of me acting like I know, you know, I don't want to project. I, I want you to talk. Mm-hmm. If I have you on, you're my guest. You talk. And I always want to set you up where I ask you an open-ended question. How, where, why, when, who. And then I get you going. Uh, and then listening is just, I have three daughters. And I have to listen. And, and if you listen, it's amazing what you'll hear. And, you know, I, I never want the question to be, people say, oh, you ask great questions. And I always follow up by saying, but what was the answer? Right. Because a great, if it doesn't elicit a great answer, then is it really a great question? Um, I think we got caught up in 60 minutes where Mike Wallace would say, did you kill that person? Well, that's not a good question. Why do people think you killed this person? I want you talking. And once you talk, it's amazing how much you'll tell me without trying to not tell me something. So those are my goals with, with every interview. And if you don't remember something that was said during my interview, then I didn't do my job. And that is, what did somebody tell you? Not what my question was. What was the answer? Because I want somebody to say, oh, you know who I heard on uh, Dan Patrick's show? This guy. And you know what he said? Boom. So all I want is word of mouth that you got something that you hadn't heard before. And, you know, let's face it, athletes are interviewed more than anybody else in the world yeah. because they're available every game, before a game, after a game, practice. How can I ask you something that you haven't heard? How do I ask you in a way 
that I get a different answer than somebody else. Those are the challenges. When was it when you were doing the big show that it, it changed that you got the ability? Cause it's not just getting people on your radio show or when you interview people on sports center, but because of what you and Keith had, you not only could get the interview, it felt like you had the poetic license to ask the question. Like, is that, is that when it changed or did you always feel like you had that ability to, to ask the question? I thought I had the ability. I, I thought I had the obligation to ask questions. It's the ability to be able to be on a level playing field with those who you're interviewing. Right. Because if you'll notice, Letterman's chair was always higher than his guests. So he was already saying, hey, you got to come up to me. you got to play on my level. And they would. I, I, I didn't do that, but in my mind I wanted to say, we're going to go into this on a level playing field. And I think having a little bit of cachet after SportsCenter's success allowed me to ask some questions to get people to open up a little bit more because I would do the Sunday conversation. I would travel all over the country sit down with these athletes and we would do 30 minutes and pare it down to four minute Sunday conversation. Right. So I got the, the repetition and then I got the reputation of he does the interviews. And I, I had a wonderful seminar with John Sawatsky, sure. who people at ESPN were cursing at me you know, under their breath because I read an article where it called him the king of the interview. I remember going to John Walsh, my boss, and said, can we get this guy in? And I, you know, I read this interview, and I was just fascinated. And I, I just thought, gosh, everybody could benefit from this. And really, you could benefit it from it even if you weren't on the air. It's just the ability to ask people questions to get them to talk. And John Swatsky came in, and we did five days, eight hours a day on interviewing. And I loved it. Me too. I could have done two weeks. But people were just grumbling over it, and I came away fascinated by it. And I just started to put those tips into play. And, you know, I would talk to John Sawatsky all the time uh, and, and just say, listen to this. What are you hearing? What do you... I wanted him to critique my work. And, uh, I mean, I was chasing. Even though I thought I was pretty good, I wanted to be great. I, I just... I did. I wanted to leave no doubt. It kind of goes back to my basketball days. Like I wanted, I wanted to crush an interview. I wanted to own it, and you know, but you can't get out in front of it. You can't get in your own way, and you can overthink it. And I wanted him to tell me, you know what? You could ask that in a shorter question. Nothing better than a short question, because then you can't reload. Right. right. You could tell me something, and I'll go, why? Well, normally we'll go. Why would you answer it that way? Because, you know, I would think you would be like this and not feel that way, but why would you? So now you get time to reload. I just go, why? And we, we are, we're so insecure, we don't want somebody to go, well, he doesn't even know the answer. Okay. I, it's not a, if I know the answer, it's what answer they give you, the audience that I care about. I don't care about, you know, insecurity or I want to I get a great conversation going. Um. There's so much good stuff there. I'm 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 fascinated um, on a, on a bunch of levels to it. Let let's let's start with Bird. You you did say, hey, I was there. Bird's finals, Magic's finals. I feel like now, maybe because uh, 
you know, Bird had a reputation, or maybe how we see him in video as unathletic. People don't understand even the impact he had on the league, right? Like, I think they won 29 games year before he got there, his senior year at Indiana yep. State. Then they won 60 his rookie year, or 59 his, his, his rookie year. For somebody who was alive and is a basketball player, um, how should we contextualize Larry Bird? Well, I look, Magic and Larry were very similar. I mean, Magic wasn't the most athletic guy yeah. in, in what we deem athletic. Athleticism is, can I beat you? Uh, how often can I beat you? How am I beat? Larry was so athletic, he would tell you how he was going to beat you. Well, he's so competitive. And, I think that's more competitive than yeah. athletic. No, but he would, oh, I think you, but, but what is athleticism? Is athleticism being able to find the right bounce pass? Is it a, you know, is it able to no look pass? It is able to hit the jump shot. They ran the Celtics back there. Ran they had fast breaks back sure. then. Uh, I I think we look at athleticism and go, okay, how high do you jump? What's your vertical? There are guys we played with who are unbelievable jumpers. They can't play. Sure. Bird and, and Magic were very similar because their athleticism, you know, was a there was a mental capacity to athleticism. Which I think, you know, that's something that's really hard to see, you know, gauge. Like, I can see you jump. I can't, you know, your, your mental acuity, that, that was something that Bird and Magic took it to a different level. Uh, it, and it's not to say that Mike and Isaiah and, you know, run down the list weren't smart. Like, Tim Duncan had that ability like Bird and Magic, where you just watch him understand, process a game. Um, so, I, it wasn't... Till you know, recently, a couple of years ago, that I would have taken Bird over LeBron. Yep. Uh, you know, Bird had a couple of seasons. You know, we look at LeBron, and you know, Larry put up you know thirty-one, ten, and eight, eight, eight and a half or something. And if you would have said Larry averaged a triple double, he would have. Uh, you know that is same with Magic. Um, you know, we got drunk with stats. I think probably starting in the nineties. And everybody, man, Bay, all sports. But, you know, that's not what those guys were about. It was about, did we win? Like John Stockton. I don't think he sat there and went, you know, I'd like to average 13 assists a game. He was like, he couldn't care less how many he had. He wanted to know, you know, hey, did we win? So Bird, Bird to me was, you know, fascinating to watch because that ability to be able to do, you know, he, he would tell guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the jumper right here in front of you. Yeah. And then he'd go out and hit the jumper right in front of you. That seems to be athletic. Uh, maybe not in the you know context of what you know we we've come to appreciate. But I would rather watch that kind of player, that mentality. And it you know LeBron has a, a high basketball IQ as well, extremely high. Uh, I love watching how somebody can outthink you and do it in the moment in real time. So. Uh, you, and now, it, and it, and I love Bird. You know, Bill Walton is probably my favorite basketball player of all time because when I saw him play at at his peak, he understood the game better than anybody I've ever seen. And he was he, he, was, he, was, he was sustain it. Well, he was also a crazy athlete until you know he had the had the foot problems. People forget what an, yes. what an amazing what an amazing yeah. athlete. Um, he, but I just love watching that. And it's not that oh, Bird worked harder. You know, Jordan worked hard. Isaiah worked hard. Like, they, you don't get there without working hard. It's We tend to look at athleticism and say, oh, like you're lucky. Oh, you don't have to work that hard. 
you know, they do. I mean, Mike worked hard on the floor, worked hard. Uh, and, and I think sometimes that's lost on people that because you're athletic, we think that, oh, it's easier for you. And, you know, Vince Carter, wonderful, athletic. Uh, you know, is there a difference between him and Michael Jordan? Did, did Mike work harder? And, like, I, I never know that. Like, how many guys in the history of the game have been more athletic than Vince Carter? Not, not many. No. no. But, you know, he doesn't have the resume to show for it, whereas Michael does. And, you know, so I'm always fascinated with how does, how does that, like Steve Nash. I remember meeting him his rookie year, and I thought, God, this is a cute story. Yeah. You know, he, he, he looks like Tatum O'Neill's boyfriend in Bad News Bears. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of, that's nice, you know. I remember him at uh, Santa Clara, and I go, God. And uh, who was it? Bill Duffy was like, hey, this guy, he's going to start in the NBA. And I went, you know, Bill. I love you, but, you know, you just pumped up your client. And I went, holy shit. When I watched him play, and he wasn't even good enough to, you know, get on the floor in Phoenix. I just remember that ability to think a game through. You know, Jason Kidd saw him at Kansas at, uh, you know, when they played uh, them in the field house. And I went, holy shit. Like, he just, it's a different game for these guys. And that's why I go, when somebody's athletic, it's a long-winded way of saying, the mental part of it, to me, there is athleticism in that. Because you can have all the talent in the world. If you can't put it into motion, then really how athletic are or, you? know, What does it matter how athletic you are? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tired of restless nights? 
Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. What happened with you and David Stern? Oh, we had a great relationship. I know you did, but there were there was some... I was doing the draft on radio. You were doing the draft. You're the host of the draft. You're the face of the network. And there was there was something between the two of you that he felt like you tweaked him in a way. And like he was a, that was just kind of the way he worked. There had to be something that happened between you two. Nothing. No, 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 absolutely not. We went back and forth with each other. I challenged him. Uh, and I, I, I was not afraid to challenge him. But I knew if you challenged him, you better be ready. And that was just me having fun. He was supposed to come out for a draft pick. I was told he was coming out. So we'd get the heads up. Commissioners, the, the pick is in. Here comes the commissioner. And I said, and let's go to uh, the podium. The commissioner is here with the pick. And they didn't come out. So all I did is fill in some time and say, oh, the commissioner playing a little hide-and-seek or whatever, peekaboo. And then he came out, and he talked about pithy comments. But it was all that was was kind of a – microcosm a little peek into our relationship if i was around him we would be the same way absolutely positively couldn't say enough great things about him he championed me he knew i loved the game he he insisted that i do the nba you know because mike tarico was doing it before but he insisted that i i do he knew that i loved the game and didn't have any other aspirations play by play any of that so no no issues whatsoever with, with David Stern. Uh, are Absolutely they, not. Obviously, David Stern had a right-hand man as Adam Silver. Adam Silver's now running the league. And their styles, at least, out in front of the media, could not be any more different, right? Like, David Stern, though he championed Jordan and Bird and Magic and they helped save the league, it felt much more heavy-handed in his approach as opposed to Adam Silver, who seems, at least, again, outward appearance to be way, way, way more player-friendly. Uh, do you believe that the NBA is in a good place considering how outspoken the players are and how powerful they are in their business? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't think that the old school that, hey, we drafted you and you have to abide by our rules. And I, I, I like that they're able to kind of decide what they want to do, where they want to do it, how they want to do it. And I, I don't subscribe to Antonio Brown or Jalen Ramsey, but if Kevin Durant wants to play in Brooklyn, great. I'm thrilled that he went to the East Coast. Uh, you know, let, I, I just want to have rivalries. I want to have competition. I want it to be great. I want it to be where you're not sure what the outcome is going to be. 
I think it's the worst thing that a league can have is you go, no, you know what? There's no reason to watch the regular season or the postseason. We know how this script ends. The NBA, you could say that has any sport ever had an offseason like the NBA had? And a lot of that has to do with, you know, I'm going to play here. You want to play with me. Now, I know the old school, like, Bird's going to go, I'd never do that, or Magic would say that, or Isaiah would say that. I get it, but this is today's athlete, and it's completely different. I think Adam Silver has a velvet hammer. I think he's able to do what he needs to do, how he needs to do it, but he does it in a a less intrusive way. Whereas David Stern, he lived up to his name. It's Here he comes, and he's going to say what he needs to say, do what he needs to do. It's just, it's a different approach. It's, you know, you hire a manager, and then once you're going to fire him, then you hire a manager who's completely opposite of right. the manager you just had. Right. And that's kind of the feeling I had with the NBA. Adam Silver, you know, he governs in a different way. Um, your favorite player to watch play basketball ever is who? Bill Walton. When he was with the Portland Trailblazers, that's his selfless as any team I've ever seen while being so much fun. And Dr. Jack Ramsey, you had you had guys who wouldn't have started for other teams. But with Portland, you did, like Bobby Gross probably wouldn't have started for many other teams. Uh, you know, but he's guarding Dr. J in the NBA Finals. Or Larry Steele, Johnny Davis, Dave Twardzik, uh, Maurice Lucas, and then you had Walton. But, but Walton was as selfless as any player I've ever seen and play at a very high level. And when they beat the 76ers after losing the first two, and I loved Walton at UCLA because I, I just loved the, the process of, you know, team basketball and moving at the extra pass, playing offense and defense. Uh, you know, you had a coach who was meticulous. And I just, so when Walton went to Portland, I went to his first game. His first pro game was against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, at the University of Dayton. And, you know, Bill was in over his head. But, you know, you fast forward to that NBA playoffs when Bill went, you know, running down the lane and he dunked on Jabbar. And it kind of, you know, signaled a, he's not Kareem, but there's a new kid in town. And he played the game differently. But he was he was one of those guys that I just, I was always fascinated when he was playing at, at his peak. If I put you in charge of college basketball, what changes would you make? Well, I, I I don't know if it's just college basketball, but it's 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 the big sports, the revenue producing sports. I just think that the big you know, power five should just secede from the union and start their own NCAA, start their own governing body, and then decide how do we divvy up you know this piece of the pie. You know, how do you pay players? I, I, I don't know how to do that. Should you be able to capitalize on your image and likeness? Absolutely. I mean, it's your image and your likeness. They, the school doesn't own that and should own that. Uh, but I I just think we're going to get to the point where, you know, Texas and, you know, Ohio State and, you know, some of these Alabama are just going to say, why are, we, why are we putting up with this? And then you just let the other schools, you know, they're going to have to just survive. Um, you know, there's going to be casualties there, but the NCAA is antiquated. But, you know, when somebody says, oh, how do you pay them? I don't know. You know, I, and I always use this parallel. 
Sam Darnold at USC was worth more than Josh Allen at Wyoming. They can both be first-round picks, but Sam is at USC, which is generating far more money than Wyoming is. Yeah, How but, do but, I pay but, those two? But, does, but doesn't that also signify that the school has the value more than the player has the value, right? Like, like look, I, I've often pointed this out, like, who goes to and watches these games? And the first thing is we we do we do this one thing where we talk about basketball as if basketball players have so much value, but as you and I both know, that's not really they don't really make the money for the university. College basketball programs don't make the college football programs make the money. We know the college yeah. basketball players because you can see their faces. College basketball also has the ability you don't have to go to college, you can go to the G League and if you want to have your own shoe deal, you can. You can go play overseas. You only have to go for a year. But we, we act like basketball players have this value, and they really don't, um, whereas football, that has the value, but we don't actually know the players because we can't see them, and we cheer for the jerseys. I, I do think that part of that, part of that we don't tell the, the, the true story to it. Well, once again, uh, college reform, I, I don't have answers to it. Right. I, I, I truly don't, and I, and I always listen. When somebody says, hey, I got an idea, and a lot of times it boils down to let's give them a stipend or I, I don't I don't know how that you can distribute evenly how I can say, well, you're at Ohio. You're Justin Fields at Ohio State. Right. Well, you're going to be worth you know, the same thing as a quarterback at uh, Central Florida. I, I, I don't know how we get there um, because I, I still think that I don't know if we'll ever get there. Right. Because I, and if I give you your, let's say you can capitalize your name and likeness, and I say, hey, we're going to do a meet and greet. We just, uh, Alabama just beat South Carolina. And when we go back home, we're going to have a meet and greet. And I'm a card dealer. I can pay you whatever I want to pay you. Right. 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 Can't, you, can't limit, now, now you, can't gonna... limit, you can't limit earnings. They tried to do that with assistant coaches, couldn't do it years ago. They can't do it with players, you know? Yeah. So, so what's going to stop me? Nothing. If, you know, hey, the boosters at Alabama, they're going to give you a million dollars. Let, let's say you're you know, one of their wide receivers, Jury, who's going to be a, a top 10 pick. All right. If you come to Alabama, you're going to make a million dollars a year for the first three years. If you decide to stay, I'm going to give you $3 million. Whatever it is. I mean, you can see, see just, it's I, all I, hypothetical. Yes. What, what's, what's the but? No, there is. I mean, you're you're going to be able to do that. Well, the uh, well uh, is, the, the, here, there's a couple butts to me, but go ahead, give me your butt. Well, let's say you know the late T. Boone Pickens. He wants to build a dynasty at Oklahoma State. Right. He's got the money to do it. So why can't he just pay whatever he needs to pay? Let's say he spends fifty million dollars each year on the football program with just bonuses, name using your name and likeness. Now. Now every other school is is going to be doing that, or there'll be schools that can't do that. But I I think that that's you know it's not going to get rid of paying athletes. You'll pay them above table, but I just think it's a dangerous precedent if I'm going to bring you in and go. I can pay you whatever I want. If I have a high two Atunga Bailos is worth what right now? Trevor Lawrence is worth what to Clemson's football program right now? I don't know. Can you put a dollar figure on that? But if I say, hey, don't go to Alabama, Trevor. Come to Clemson. We got a booster who's going to pay you $5 million a year. 
$10 million, whatever it is, we're going to pay you $10 million over your career. I don't know. But, you know, that, that way some of the money that might be going to these head coaches is actually going to go to the players. Yeah, my my way of looking, I just don't think that's what it's supposed to be about. Like, I get that we're all in this. Like, look, all college students make money for their university. Like, a dis, make a disproportionate amount of money for the university. That's the way that college works. And when you get done with college, yeah. then you get done with college, then you use your time with the university to get you your first job, to get you your second job, to get you your fallback jobs, where your friendships are. Like, that's what it's about. And I don't, I don't understand how we... And I don't think you're there, but so many in the media have gotten to this. Well, it's it's only about getting money where I, I don't. I think there's a ton of value just in getting into school harder. You know, you have I mean, you have all your gaggle of kids you've had to put through school. Like how hard is it to get your son into USC? Like that's a USC used to be a super easy school to get into. Now it's not very, very difficult uh, in addition to very expensive. Um, So in addition to the scholarship and to the training and to the promotion, which is valuable, just getting into the school is valuable. But more than anything, like, look, that's just not what it's about. And I I understand that people think that life is about making money. And when somebody makes money off of you, but that's just that's honestly colleges make money off their students. It's no different for a, a football player as it is for an engineering student. Um, and yeah, occasionally there are outliers like a, a Trevor Lawrence who makes money for them initially. Um, my, my comeback to the, even the Trevor Lawrence thing would be Clemson's never had an empty seat in their house before Trevor Lawrence was there, after he's there, for the rest of in, in perpetuity. So does he make them some money? Sure, sure. Does he make them as much as people try and make it out to be? The answer is no, absolutely not. The value of Clemson's brand because they put together a product because of the university is really what's made them most of the money. I'm not here to hand out money. I'm just looking at this and saying, and we can sit here on our high horse and go, oh, how can you, you know, be asking for money? Or shouldn't you just be appreciative of you get the opportunity to play on a big stage? We, we're not coming from a lot of places where these kids are coming from. And if I came from inner city or single parent or whatever it might be, yeah, I'd have my hand out. I, I would. But, you know, I was fortunate to have both my parents. And my dad made a whopping $21,000 a year. So we were swimming in money. But if, you know, these kids are looking at it and say, where's mine? Because they've never had it. So I, I think we can look at this and say, you know, let's be altruistic and go, boy, just the experience of being in college. Does it help you? Yes. Does it help you with playing professionally? Absolutely. But I also have to look at this realistically and say, what would I feel if I'm a quarterback or running back or, and I'm making this money for them or we're keeping the machine going? I would want something. And I, I, I played with guys who got things. And, you know, it was just commonplace. But I, I can't sit there and go, because I was never good enough to ask for anything, but I can't be naive and go, I, would you be asking for it? I would be. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Um... Okay, you were a great. You were a shooter. You were a, a chucker who would pass. Um, we operate under the auspice that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Are you okay with that? Sure. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not beholden to you know my my childhood days where I go. Oh, you know what? That guy would have been. He's better. Jerry West was better. Pete Maravich was better. Steph Curry today is there's there's no rival when it comes to his range. Uh, you know, I, I look at Bird doing the 50-40-90 and how many guys have done that no matter what generation. Steve Nash, 50-40-90. Uh, Steph, you know, 50-40-90. You know, that, that's, it, doesn't, it doesn't take long for roll call. Now, if you said I'm going to teach the form of shooting, 
then that's different. Because I would say Clay Thompson over Steph Curry. I would take Ray Allen uh, over those guys. But as far as shooting and results and range, creativity, yeah, I have no problem with Steph Curry. Your favorite basketball gym you've ever been in? Larry Bird's high school gym in French Lick, Indiana, when I went down to do a story on him. What was it like? Uh, huh? What was it like? Quaint. Home court advantage. Bleachers right there. It, I, I could only imagine when, you know, he's firing jumpers from the corner, probably falling into the stands and just, and it was small. The ceiling was lower than what you would think. And I, I got to believe that that was a pretty good home court advantage for him. That that and Allen Fieldhouse. Like I I, yeah. I went I went I didn't even work. I went to Allen Fieldhouse to watch KU play against Cal with Jay Kidd, and I went on my own because I I just wanted to experience. Paulie was. Pauley Pavilion wasn't as magical as I thought. It was no, like, it's not. I mean, they, they've redone it, but it's still not nothing special. Yeah, it was a little more antiseptic. Um, Notre Dame. Uh, when I went there, I was I was surprised that the football stadium was smaller than I thought because it looks bigger on TV. And then the the basketball arena, the same way. Uh, I I really liked the look of that. I like the the. I'm big on the acoustics. Like I I, I like hearing it. I like the sound of the ball, I like, you know, the net, everything about that. But I, Notre Dame, I, I, I appreciated that. I didn't like assembly because I don't like the way it's configured. Right. Um, Syracuse is, you know, it's worth seeing, but it, it's not one of my favorites. Um, Duke was great, uh, but they put, put you up all the way in the, the rafters there, so you lose a little bit of that ambiance. But, you know, that was the place that I wanted to go see as well. I mean, those are just some off the top of my head. Uh, by the way, Springs Valley is the, the Larry Bird's high school gym. Yeah. And uh, yeah. kind of permanent seating all around in like a bowl. And then just a floor. That's it, right? It's kind of, kind of simple. Same way it was when, when Larry Bird was there. Same, same I way. actually went on a vacation to the French Lick Hotel. And I took my girlfriend... Just so because of Larry, because the thought I could see Larry Bird, I went from Dayton, Ohio, with my girlfriend at the time, and Betsy had no idea why we were there. But I said, "Oh, they got these hot springs, and it's it's you know they got a spa there." <laughs> and all I did was spend the day driving over to Larry Bird's house, hoping he would be there. It's pretty sad. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to that, that. I can't top that. But I will tell you that my dad and I, um, one time we drove from New York to Chicago and we stopped in Dillonville, Ohio, where he was a high school coach. And we stayed there for a night. But we also stayed um, in um, uh, Steve Alford's hometown so we could see Chrysler Arena. The, uh, I think it was Chrysler Fieldhouse or something like that where, where he played. It was Steve Alford's high school gym. And he, we, we met with his dad. We talked about his uh, – uh, it, it was Chrysler Arena. It was the biggest high school gym in the country at the time. 
And my dad worked me out on the high school floor just so I could kind of get a sense. It's Newcastle High School in Indiana. Yeah. And it seats yeah. like, you know, 9,000 people or something crazy like that. So it doesn't, I didn't take my girlfriend there, but there are some similarities in that tale. Oh, I know. It's, I, I'm sad with that. No. But, you know, I make no apologies. And, and Bird's not that much older than me. And, you know, here I am, you know, following him around, hoping he might be outside shooting hoops there. And uh, I never saw him. It's like that movie, Searching for Bobby Fischer, yeah, where they, they're yeah. searching. I'm searching for Larry Bird. I don't know what I was going to do if I saw him, because, you know, he's not the most approachable guy. Uh, but I, for some reason, I just, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to shoot hoops with him. Last thing, um, you've gone back and done Sports Center on the 40-year anniversary. You've done Super Bowls. You've done NBA Finals. You've done just about everything you can do in this business. Um, like, do you want to go back and do like a play-by-play of a, of a college game, of NBA game? Like, if you were going to pick some things you want to do, like now you have your own, you have your own college right, that teaches broadcasters. What, is there anything on the bucket list that you still want to do? Outside of like personal stuff, right? Like obviously, I know you want to travel with your wife and see the world, but in terms of sports, you can pick what you want to do. What do you want to do? I don't have anything. I think I I wanted to to work a Super Bowl because when I worked at ESPN, we were always on the outside looking in. We weren't the rights holders, right? And so I, like Greg Norman and Nick Faldo, I was there at Augusta, but I wasn't working. On the in the broadcast, I was just covering it. Uh, you know, I got to go to Super Bowls for the mothership, but we weren't part of the broadcast team. Or I'd go to the World Series, but I wasn't part of Fox. And then to be able to go and cover a Super Bowl and hand out the Super Bowl trophy, that's probably the 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 highlight. I mean, that's that in the hosting the Olympics that I I just wanted to be a part of the event itself, not cover you know, the event, it was being in, in the moment there and to be able to do that, um, in a few Olympics. And then I handed out the Super Bowl trophy, I think five times. And, you know, that, that's where you got a little kid from Mason, Ohio. And, you know, we weren't even a city or a town. We were a village when I was growing up. I never told anybody the first time I did it in Tampa, I didn't tell anybody in my family, I was going to give out the trophy. Because I wanted them to experience it in real in real time, and to do it, and then I walked off that podium, and I remember there was all this confetti. Everybody was celebrating, and I I walked off as if I won that Super Bowl because I handed out the trophy, and I I remember going into the trailer that we had at, at NBC, and I just. I sat there, I sat down, and I started crying. Because I was like, how did I get here? Yeah. My dad's not alive. And you're just, and, you know, then all of a sudden my brothers and sisters were like, oh, my God, you're handing out the Super Bowl. I, I didn't do it for them, but I'm glad they got to share in that. And, you know, that, that's a lot of the moments that you have. Like, it's emotional now. But in in the you know, moment, you, yeah, in the you, moment you don't, you, yeah. No, no, you just do it. But then you you start to reflect and you go, "How did I get here?" And that's why I always tell people, don't let somebody tell you you can't. You're going to be the one who decides that you can't. 
there were so many times I could have just said, you know, I'm not going to do it. You know, the hell with it. I'm not going to get a chance. And to do it and then just sit there and I'm by myself in a trailer and I'm going, how did I, how did I get here? And, and everybody else, you know, you don't notice that people handing out the Super Bowl trophy unless something bad happens or whatever. And, you know, I just did it. And then you walk off and you go, I, I, I never would have thought it, you know? I never, ever would have dreamed that I'm handing out the Super Bowl trophy. I and always, yeah. and you, you do it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I always want to work the Final Four. I left ESPN to work the Final Four. And uh, I signed a contract to work the Final Four for five or six years, and I only really did it twice, and I only really sat in that set once. And it's a hard thing for me to process now because my dad was alive, and yet because it was my first year, and really Turner kind of controls that thing. Like, I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't push about getting my wife down there, my kids down there. Like, my wife was, you know, met me eventually, but uh, I kind of did it all by myself. My dad didn't come, like, backstage and and hang out with Charles because I just figured, like, I'd be doing this for a long time. It was, like, my first year, and I had the the, the white man's perspective thing, so I was kind of walking on eggshells. And so not having gotten a chance to be back on that set, like, I have a really weird I always wanted to do it, and I did it, and I did a really good job of it, but because I felt like I didn't get another opportunity to do it or experience it with the people that I cared about, I don't know if I have the same positive vibes of it that you have with the Super Bowl, for example. I, I left it. Like I, I, it's like the Olympics. Like I don't long to do it. Super Bowl, I don't long to do it. Because I did it, and I, I, I you know... I don't know if I can do it any better than I did it. Uh, you know, to be there with the NBA Finals, to be there with Jordan, to hand out an NBA championship trophy. Like, those are things that you dream about. Being on SportsCenter was awesome. It was, you know, life-changing. But these are moments that are bigger than SportsCenter. And, and, and it's never lost on me, ever. Never took it for granted, ever. I'm formulating questions during Ben Roethlisberger's two-minute drive against Arizona. You know, Arizona's going to win the Super Bowl. Who am I going to have up there? What questions am I going to ask Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald? Then Ben throws the touchdown pass. Now i got to go, okay, what am I going to ask, you know, Coach, the ownership there, uh, Rooney's, uh, what am I going to ask Ben? Who's the MVP? Like, I never, ever, ever took it for granted where you just get up there and you stick a mic and go, Hey, how did that feel? Never, ever, ever, ever. And, uh, you know, NBC gave me those opportunities, and ESPN gave me an opportunity. And, and, and as you know, an opportunity is all you want. Yep. And therefore, my, my professional career was really based on what I didn't get in my athletic career. I just wanted a chance, and I never got it. And I always vowed if I ever got a chance in my professional career, I would make sure that nobody regretted that and that I did it the right way. So I never, ever stopped that feeling of just give me a chance. Um, and it's, it served me well. You know, it's interesting. Mine's similar. And my drive to continue to get opportunities and do things comes from, I, I felt like I got an opportunity, but I didn't take full advantage of it. Right. Like I had a, I, I had a block where I became afraid to shoot and, 
You know, my my last college game at home at Gallagher Ibe Arena, I hit two threes in the first half. We had a big lead. It got tight. Coach pulled me because he was afraid they were going to foul me. By the time I got back in the game, we had no momentum. I came down the court, and I was wide open on a on a pull-up jump shot, three-point shot, something. It was my shot growing up in high school, and my brother saw me play one game in Stillwater. That was that day, and we worked that morning on that shot, and I chickened out and didn't take the shot and said pass to a teammate who was open, and he, and he missed. And because I didn't take advantage of the opportunity, I've like made a, a kind of similar but different vow to myself that – I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to I'm going to shoot every shot. I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I can get and keep working to get more opportunities. So there's a, a a a huge kind of similarity there. Look, I've I've taken up way too much of your time, but I have one more question. Okay, <laughs> I I do believe that I do believe that you're a Jordan ahead of LeBron guy. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, but not but not you know exponentially ahead of him because they're different. Like, I can't, like, what am I, what am I, if you said, who's the better all-around player, I'd take LeBron. Uh, who do I want game on the line winning if I take Mike? But, like, you know, Mike didn't win for a long period. You know, LeBron was winning at least going to the NBA Finals. So I, I try not to get caught up in it. I, I saw something in Mike that I, I'll never see again. But LeBron, to me, is, abs- is fascinating to watch. Fascinating. Yeah. Is there anything he can do to put himself ahead of Jordan in your mind? If he wins another title with the Lakers, then then I think we have a real conversation here because Mike did it with the Bulls. He he always had Scotty. Uh, they brought in Coach. Like he he had a, a team that you know after they took it out of his hands, where you know he wanted to bring in players and Jerry Krause and you know Reinsdorf brought in the right people for him, but. LeBron has picked his spots. Granted, you know, he didn't want to stay in Cleveland, but to do it in Cleveland, do it in Miami, and then if he culminates this by doing it with the Lakers, now we have a real conversation of where is LeBron on that list? You know, we we rem- we think Michael hit every every game winning shot. I remember remember LeBron's afraid. You know, he's afraid. He's afraid to take. He's not wired that way. You know, nobody ever said, "Oh, does Magic doesn't take all the big shots?" I mean. He hit a hook. He hit a runner. He dribbled the ball out or dribbled the clock out one time in, a, in an NBA final. Like, we forget all of these things. It's just social media. LeBron's the first player who is, you know, maybe he's benefited from social media, but I think he's also taken a lot of bullets because of social media. I can't think of any other athlete with social media who's taken more bullets than him. And he still does it. He does it. He's, he, he's done a lot of things the right way. I mean, if you're looking at the you know totality of Mike and, and LeBron, the person, and everything else that goes along with it, LeBron's LeBron's got he's done a lot of great things in his life, and uh, you know. But I think if he wins one more title, I, I really think we have a, a interesting discussion there. I, I've never said this to you on air, but I've said it to you in person. I always appreciate uh, our conversations, but more than anything, the friendship that you've shown me for no real reason, right? Like, I, there's nothing I can offer you, but Every time we get together and have a beer or have a conversation, you always give me great advice, and I really appreciate joining me on this pod. Well, I, I just – and I do it because I, I think when I see somebody who has talent and maybe doesn't have all the answers or direction, I, I always wanted that from me. And if Bob Lee didn't write a letter back to me, I may not have had the confidence to think I could do this. So it's never lost on me that if, 
somebody asks, and I hope that I offer. And, uh, you know, you're a former athlete, and, and to be able to do this is sometimes even more difficult because you're an athlete in people's minds. So uh, I, I do it because uh, I, I think it's ingrained in me that that's the right thing to do. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you, Mike. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, next week we will... Uh, oh, man, I got a bunch of guests that are lining up to join us. Next week, more great guests, and we'll start to preview both the NBA and the college game. I appreciate you listening. Make sure you listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show, which is on daily... 3 to 6 Eastern Time, 12 to 3 Pacific on FoxSportsRadio.com, your Fox Sports Radio app uh, or, or the iHeart app or on Sirius XM 217 or 203. It's actually on Dan Patrick's channel. That's 3 to 6 Eastern Time, 12 to 3 Pacific every day. And of course, you can also download the daily podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Gottlieb Show. Gottlieb Show is also my Instagram handle. Send me a question and I'll talk about it on next week's pod. I'm Doug Gottlieb and this is all ball. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.